Chapter 2 of Pee Wee Harris, Fixer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pee Wee Harris, Fixer by Percy Keese Fitzhugh. Chapter 2 Mug. Simultaneously with Pee Wee's appearance on the roof of the front porch, the chintz curtains in his sister's windows were cautiously drawn together so as to confound any attempt to look within. Pee-wee was too preoccupied to take note of this insult. His eyes and thoughts were fixed upon a large elm tree, which grew close to the sidewalk some yards distant across the lawn. The tree was stately, as only an elm knows how to be, its tall, thick trunk being free of branches to a point almost level with the roof of the house. At that height, great limbs spread out over the sidewalk, and shaded a large area of the Harris lawn. Pee-wee studied this tree with the critical eyes of an engineer. He next drew out of the depths of one of his trousers' pockets a ball of fishing line, and out of the depths of the opposite pocket the detachable handle of a flat iron. This he tied to the cord, which he proceeded to unwind until he had released enough for his purpose. He frowned upon the distant elm tree as if he intended to annihilate it. Meanwhile, the muffled hum of the sewing machine could be heard through his sister's window. Pee-wee now replaced the ball of cord in his pocket and threw the flat iron handle into the branches of the tree. It fell to the ground with the attached cord dangling after it. He pulled it up and cast it again. Twice, thrice, it failed to find lodgment in the branches. If it had been a kite or a beanbag, or one of those twirling ascending toys, it would have stayed in the tree upon the first cast, out of pure perversity. But the flat iron handle had not the fugitive instinct. It would not stay. Not only that, but a new complication presented itself. Mug, the puppy who resided with the Harris family, made a dramatic appearance on the lawn below, just in time to catch the flat iron handle as Pee-wee was about to lift it. You let go of that, Pee-wee shouted. You drop that mug, do you hear? But Mug, more interested in adventure than in science, did not drop it. Pee-wee tried to pull it away, but Mug rolled over on his back in the full spirit of this tug-of-war, and was presently so much involved with the cord that obedience to Pee-wee's thunderous commands was out of the question. For a few moments it seemed as if Mug might be hauled up bodily, and made an integral part of the aerial. Pee-wee endeavoured by lassoing manoeuvres and jump rope tactics to release the enmeshed pup, using the entire porch roof for his stage of action. He loosed the cord, imparted long wavy motions to it, jerked it, pulled it to the right, pulled it to the left, but all to no avail. At last the puppy extricated himself, and with no regard at all for his harrowing experience, immediately made a dash for the departing flat iron handle, caught it, shook it, ran halfway across the lawn with it, shook it again, and darted around a bush with it. The bush was not a participant in this world war. Pee-wee pulled with all his might and main. Part of the bush came away. The puppy pounced on the fleeing fragment. It dropped from the cord, and the puppy with refreshed energy caught the flat iron handle again, bracing his forelegs for the tussle, his tail wagging frantically. Thus has every great scientist encountered hardships and obstacles. You get away from that now. Do you hear what I tell you? Pee-wee roared. He might have pulled the cord away from his diminutive antagonist, but that it caught in a crack between two shingles at the edge of the porch roof. The cause of science seemed to be baffled at every turn, and on the edge as well. If Mug rolled over on his back again, all hope might be lost in new complications. In desperation, Pee-wee glanced about him for something to throw at Mug, by way of diverting his attention to fresh novelties. The puppy was already on his back. The cord wound around one of his forelegs. The roof was clear of all possible missiles. 
Pee-wee pulled out a loose shingle and hurled it down, but Mug saw it not. Then Pee-wee did something which showed his power of sacrifice. He pulled out of his pocket the sole remaining coconut ball from a purchase of three, for a cent. It was heavy and sticky, and encased in tissue paper. There was no time to take even a single bite of it. Here you go, Mug! Here you go, Mug! he called. The new temptation enabled Mug to extricate himself. He did not care for candy, but he was a ready adventurer in the matter of sports. His preoccupation with the rolling coconut ball gave Pee-wee the opportunity to crawl cautiously to the edge of the roof and disentangle the cord where it had caught. He now hurled the flat iron handle with all his might up into the branches of the distant tree, and there it stuck. To make certain of its security he pulled, first gently, then harder. It held fast. Having successfully accomplished this part of his enterprise, he cast a wistful glance down upon the coconut ball, which Mug was pushing along the lawn with his nose. Just then the window of his sister's room was flung open. End of chapter 2 Recording by Julian Prattley